Welcome one and all to episode 119 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we're back to college football previews. We've got just over five weeks till the week zero games kick off, and then really six weeks until the great part of college football starts where you get everybody playing and we've got well about four or five previews left depending on how in-depth we want to go with these uh non or these group of five conferences but today we have the big 12 and they boast two teams that have playoff aspirations what are your thoughts on this conference as a whole well before we get started on the previews i want to let everyone know last week we had a little bit of weather that caused some sound problems but i urge you to go back and listen to last week's episode it's only it's a short one it's only about half an hour long but we talked about the shrine games move to vegas and what that means and let's just say early indications are our take was 100 percent correct so go check that out if you guys like the show subscribe give us a five-star review please that really helps boost our rating and uh if you want more of our content as always patreon extra episode every week for just two dollars a month but seth big 12 you know i went through i'm collecting names you know early watch list type of thing and you said two teams at the top and that's really what it looks like you've got oklahoma you've got iowa state we talked about them on one of our patreon shows when we talked about the early top 10 and in that ranking that was came out from ESPN after spring ball they had Oklahoma number one they had Iowa State number six I'm a little I was a little skeptical about Iowa State's lofty ranking but going through and writing the preview for them that's available on our Patreon right now uh, I realize Iowa State does have a ton of players so we'll get to them in a minute let's start with the big dog Oklahoma number one team year, in the nation Number yeah, one team in the nation heading into the season. Our producer, Robert Bond, big Oklahoma guy. He doesn't even buy into it yet. Do, you, you can never buy into it, though, can you, Robert? No, I feel like these kinds of things are just only a precursor to disappointment. <laughs> and on that note, you know, uh, the Sooners lost two games, and they, they lost to Kansas State, and they lost to Iowa State. So they both... They have to play those teams again this year. They're at Kansas State. They're going to be at uh, Oklahoma State for Bedlam. And then they got the home game against ISU. And the other thing I thought was interesting about Oklahoma to get this lofty rating, you know, I think it's, you know, people love Lincoln Riley. Spencer Rattler is considered the top quarterback by most people and, uh, the, and perhaps the top quarterback prospect for 2022 draft. All of that's driving Oklahoma stock up. But uh, 11 new starters, by my count. And we're, we're looking at uh, how uh, – I'm looking at different sources here, but Athlon Sports College Football Preview is what we've been kind of using to get the order that we talk about the teams. And they've got 11 new starters in there for Oklahoma, and my research checks out. So um, that's a lot of new starters for a team. But we, when we talked about Ohio State, they're kind of dealing with a lot of that as well, and they're still highly touted. Um getting the number three or number four ranking in, in the country in these preseason polls. So Oklahoma, uh, again, that's they, they've got to face 
they've got to they've got to battle their demons. You know, the two teams that knocked them out last year, those two teams are hurdles again this year, and uh, Iowa State's going to be no slouch. Yeah, and you look at Iowa State when when you talk about they're going into this season as maybe the number you know number a top ten team, the number two team in the Big Twelve, a top ten team in the nation. Iowa State's a baffling one to me because <clears throat> as good as they were in the Big Twelve, they were that bad outside of it. Um, so our are we just guessing that they're going to continue to play that well in the Big 12? Is that, I mean, is that your take on why Iowa State's so high? Because it just feels like Oklahoma, even though they do have the 11 new starters, they're the, I mean, they're the cream of the crop. And I don't feel like it's particularly close with anybody else. On, on paper... It might be, but you look at Iowa State. They and their head coach Matt Campbell talks about this, and their star running back Brees Hall talk about this. It's a team made up more of like the three-star recruits, and Oklahoma's a team made up of five-star recruits and four-star recruits. You've got um, Rattler, as I mentioned. They've got Eric Gray transferring over from Tennessee. He was a highly touted running back, Mister Tennessee, three years in a row in high school. I mean, that's incredible. They've got a couple receivers that are four- and five-star guys. So that's a that's a pretty loaded team. And even though we talk about 11 new starters, that's a team that recruits well enough, at least for Big 12 standards, to reload. They're going to be playoff contenders. There's no question about it. Iowa State has, I think, a tougher road to hoe because they do have – they're trying to get the most out of three-star type guys and – but what they have going for them this year is they are loaded with very, very experienced players. Like their team is stacked with four and fourth and fifth year guys. And it starts with their quarterback, Brock Purdy. He's a senior. Uh, Hall's a junior, but still he's an experienced out, guy. Yeah. Right. And he's and he started since he got there. And then you've got um, the receiver, Hutchison, Xavier Hutchison. Their whole offensive line is loaded with uh, veteran guys. They've we got some about, players. We talked about their tight end last week in our yeah. news segment, Charlie Kohler. Charlie with, Kohler, you know, right. Our, our prospect of the weeks. And, yeah. I mean, and they, they have, have another senior tight end as well that's, that's a prospect. And then a guy on defense, Will McDonald, who had double-digit sacks last year. So very experienced team. Will the experience trump Oklahoma's in? A constant influx of re- ability to reload with more talented guys. That's the question. And last year they were able to beat Oklahoma in the regular season, but they couldn't knock them off in the Big 12 championship game. So um, that that series was split last year, and it's going to be that, – that game is taking place – that's November 20th. So mark that down. Um in, that's that's the game to watch is Iowa yeah, State that's, that's at Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. So you get Iowa State having to go to Oklahoma. They get Iowa at home. The thing is this year they can't I mean, and again it doesn't affect the Big Twelve so much, but you can't have a game like you did their first week when they lost to uh Louisiana. And right. 
and the Raging Cajuns, and you know that's at, not no not slouch, right? No slouch but team. If you're, as if you're Emory Hunt, true, our good friend would say, that's America's team now, right? And if you're a true contender, but that's the thing, if you're a, a true contender, that's right. you can't. You're not losing the, yeah, you're not losing to the Cajuns, and and uh, that's the thing with with the Iowa game this year. You know, Iowa's not going to be any pushover for them, and it's home road whatever i mean they're at home but it's two iowa schools you know it's now you'll have the rivalry will will probably favor it being more ames will have more iowa state fans now but it used to be more like the cyclone or i'm not the cyclone but the uh, hawkeye fans traveling and and kind of filling up a good part of that stadium for that game so um it well, is a big, and, and the reality is going into it for them they have one on paper one game that looks tough. I mean, we still don't know what Baylor is under Dave Aranda. We talked about Kansas a little bit last week on the Patreon episode when we talked about you know their head coach Lance Leopold being a top ten coach in college football. Kansas State's not been the same, even you know uh, under Chris Kleinman. He's they've they've not really been the same type of program. And so they don't. They need Bill uh, Snyder to come back again, right? So they don't really play anybody until October twenty third. I mean, after Iowa, they don't really play anybody again until Oklahoma State, who, as we know, is you know, they're up and down every year. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, I, I'm a big Gundy fan, but they're they're good for a cheap loss every you know all the time as well. So you look at how the schedule laid out, they they really should be at worst a one-loss team heading into that Oklahoma game. Um, especially since they get to host number three um, Texas this year. And and then they get the, o- the only problem with hosting number four in the Big 12, obviously, TCU is that's coming after the, the Oklahoma game. But you look at Texas as number three, new head coach um, Steve Sarkeesian got the Alabama offensive coordinator boost and took it to go get another um, head coaching job. 2009 to 2013, he was the Washington Huskies head coach. And then he had his disastrous time at USC. Um where he was 12 and 6 and had a lot of demons that just came mm-hmm. out after that. You know, as a head coach, he hasn't been great, 46 and 35. I think people are, at Texas are hoping that his time at Alabama as an offensive assistant, as an OC um, and quarterback coach, has prepared him to lead a Texas program that's basically lost at this point. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. They've, you know, they went from being one of the true blue bloods in college football to a team that it feels like every couple of years is looking for a new head coach. Yeah, Texas has kind of settled into that that uh, upper middle tier of college football programs that, that – that's where they kind of landed with Tom Herman, and it's uh, you know they're, tier, they're, yeah they're a lot like Oklahoma State at this point and kind, kind mean, of like who, that or like like a Florida or like a Penn State where they're 
you know, they're they're gonna lose two or three or four games. Um, they can they can pose some problems. They can get some recruits to go there, but then y- you wonder about the the player development. You know, Michigan's another one we talked about. It's like that. You get you get a lot of decent recruits, but then what happens once they get there? You never. Uh, Tom Herman just was not able to build off the momentum that he had coming as the Ohio State offensive coordinator when they had that championship run. And they really thought, I think Texas really thought they hired the next young gun, kind of like a Lincoln Riley, like a Ryan Day. But instead what they got is a guy who settled him into that middle tier of teams. And, and, um, you know, they they go nine and three last year, but the problem is they lost two, two of those games early in the year. So when you lose two games early like that, you're already kind of out of it. You're playing catch up the whole time. At that point, you're just kind of fighting for the best possible bowl game, and you're you're already out of playoff contention early in the year. And that's just not where, like you said, Texas being a team that used to strike fear in opponents is now a team that uh, has to play underdog to a, a team like you know Iowa State, for example. That's unheard of. When uh, when we were kids, Iowa State was an abysmal program in Texas was the gold standard of the big 12, you know, along with uh, schools like Oklahoma and back then it was Nebraska too, but um, the big eight back in the day. Right. Right. And Texas is, you know, Texas is so big that they have, they have the longhorn network. Texas was courted by the PAC 12, by the big 10. And now they've kind of settled in as this also ran and where that job opening up would have been would have attracted the biggest names and Sarkeesian, he's a very respected offensive coach and he's he appears to have straightened out his personal life, but that's not the type of hire that Texas used to make, not by a long shot. So, yeah, you talked about Tom Herman. Uh, I mean, lights Herman out. Might not he, have worked out, but that was a big get for them. He was a hot well, name. And- and he was he he played or coached really well at, at Houston, twenty two and four. You know, again, not great, thirty two and eighteen at Texas, but they finished you know tied for fourth, second, tied for third, and third. And he's four and zero oh as the as the Texas coach, um, as the in bowl games. Now none of those were they only only the Sugar Bowl was a big you know, bowl game, but, um, and they finished in the top 20 twice. I, I mean, it, it, to me, it was a ballsy move, but again, joking or not, they got that. They Sarkeesian got that Bama bump that we've seen a lot of people get, um, you know, is it going to work? That's, that's what the question becomes. I mean, is this a guy that, is going to come in and be, you know, like he was at Washington, which again wasn't great. Is he going to be similar to how he was at USC? You know, if he can keep his demons at bay and, and be a guy that really um, is a difference maker, it's going to be really interesting to watch them at third is also interesting because 
they're breaking in a new quarterback. Right. They they're gonna have a competition. It looks like between uh, Casey Thompson and uh, Hudson Card. Those guys, I think, I think uh, they yeah they both played a little bit last year. Uh, Thompson played a little bit more, uh, but Ellinger got the lion's share of the work. So it's really a fresh competition. We're seeing this with a lot of schools too. I mean, we talked about it with uh, even with Ohio State. You have some big programs breaking in new quarterbacks this year, and even still having some competition that has yet to be determined. But um, yeah, it's a lot. It's a I think it's pretty bold to put them uh, as Athlon does as number three here in the Big Twelve with a projection of a 9-3 and three record when they've got a lot of new starters, seven new starters coming in on the defense. But they have a, a tremendous talent at running back, Bijan Robinson. I'm excited about him. He's a true sophomore, so we'll be talking more about him next summer going into the 2022 season. But uh, I think Sark's got his work cut out for him. A quick hot take, he's the best running back in the Big 12. I don't even think – I mean, I – yeah, you'll have the the Brees Hall fans that think he's running back one in the twenty for the twenty twenty two draft might have uh, might argue with you a little bit. I th- I don't even think they would. Many of them would contest that. I mean, Bijan was a five star recruit. He Texas got him. Um, he was down to Texas and Ohio State, I think, and, and Texas. And maybe there was one more school involved, but. Texas was able to swoop in and scoop him up, and he's fantastic. He looks like he's going to be a stud. The they just got to fo- use him, use yeah. him a lot, and maybe Sark will get nine wins this year. The forever good, always eight or nine win TCU Horn Frogs. Um, of course, that last year they finished six and four. As I say that, but you know. Or no, they were nine and three last no, year. No, right? no, that's uh, I me- I messed that yeah, up. Yeah. They were six and four. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're projected to go nine and three by the, by um, this publication. Some movement on the offensive side of the ball, coaching wise. Offense coordinator Sonny Cumbie left uh, the program. I think he went. Where he did went, he go? He went to Texas, Back to Texas Tech, Tech, where he right? played quarterback and where he put up huge numbers as a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's back at Texas Tech. Doug Meacham replaces him. He was on the roster or on the coaching staff as a wide receiver and tight end coach. Um, He's been an OC before at TCU back in 2014 through 2016. I'm not sure how much this matters because... TCU seems to be the team that, you know, consistently finds a way to get things done. They've got talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, They're going to have some questions to answer on the offensive side of the ball, but they've, you know, they've produced offensive talent at the NFL going into the NFL level, you know, every year it seems like um, outside of last year. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, I think they have a good chance of of uh, being better than Texas this year. With their, they're coming back with a junior quarterback, Max Dugan, and they have uh, Zach. I think is it Zach Evans, who's their uh, sophomore running back. They've got a receiver. They've got a, a fre- they had a freshman receiver last year who was pretty good, um, 
and I, his name's escaping me. My my apologies, but he's not draft eligible. That's why I don't know know his name off the top of my head. But they've got some talent, and they've got uh, seven starters returning on defense. So Gary Patterson, and that's and that's where they've you know kind of made their name. You got to uh, if one team can play defense in the Big Twelve, that gives them an advantage over you know the other nine teams. Yeah, and they were just I mean. They were just super inconsistent last year. Um, they didn't score, or they scored less than 14 points three times last year, which is basically unheard of in in the Big 12, right? <laughs> like, uh, But, you know, they had, is Quentin Johnson who you're... Yeah, Quentin Johnson, that's it. That, that's yeah. the kid. He's a sophomore receiver. Looks 6'4", like 195, looks like a stud. Yeah, average over twenty two yards per catch, which was mm-hmm. not not bad considering Dugan's not the great not great yeah. quarterback play. But interesting, uh, Dugan led the team in rushing last year too. Yeah, and that's I and think he had 10, 10 touchdowns on the ground. So that's an added dimension that he brings. Yeah, and I mean you look at it like you said they're bringing guys back. Um, they obviously left lost. Sorry. Uh, two key players in the secondary and Trevon Morig and our Darius Washington um, on a defense that only allowed 24 points per game, which again, you may scoff at that, but we're talking about the big 12. That's, you know, um, that's, that's tough. They have two guys that can rush the passer. Um, and we'll talk know. more about one of those guys on our Thursday show. As a matter yeah. of fact, and yep. so, you know, we'll see. We'll see how they come back this year. The biggest thing is going to be how they replace, to me, Morrig and, and Washington because they did so much on the back end for them. So, we'll again, we'll see kind of how that goes. But I think their, you know, their defense. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce um, the cornerback's name, but Trevor. Travius Hodges Tomlinson, is that him? That that works for me. Yep. He uh, he's projected to potentially be, a, you know, a top fifty pick. So they they always seem to have secondary talent, um, and it looks like that's going to continue at TCU. And they, Next, yeah, they get they get coached up in that secondary too, because you you see players who don't even get drafted or, you know, they're very late-round picks, camp guys, but they play very well while they're at TCU. They break up a lot of passes. They they are scrappy. So their defensive backs, I think they'll be okay. They're bringing back most of that front six because they play five, you know, DBs. But uh, I think they'll be able to kind of re- reload there in the secondary. Next we have Oklahoma State, which – I'm actually surprised they're this high. Um, man, they'd lost a lot of talent just in terms of big names. Um, they lost their top wide receivers. They lost yeah, their Tylen top Wallace, running back. Chuba Hubbard, Tevin Jenkins. I think those are the big, the big dogs that they lost. Yeah, and so now they come in. You know, they've got a veteran quarterback in, in Spencer Sanders. He's going to be a junior. He's okay. Um, 
it's and not it's, what we've been. It's not really what we were accustomed to, though, with Oklahoma State quarterbacks. Like he, he's kind of fourteen he's touchdowns, more, eight picks. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he's, he seems like. I mean, he runs often, but he also doesn't. He, he also takes a lot of sacks. So, uh, the rushing yards are kind of evened out by that. He doesn't add a ton as a, as a. I mean, he's, he can use his feet, but. It, because of the negative plays, it kind of takes away from what he can do as a as a running weapon. So, I think he leaves a lot to be desired. To be honest with you, I, I, I uh, you know, I think they're gonna have to lean more heavily on their running game. Yeah, and and that's losing like you talked about, Trevor Hubbard. They they talked about it quite a bit last season when they rushed for over two hundred yards. They were five zero, um, but. In six games, uh, analytics Twitter is going to come for you with that stat. That's fine; they can come for me <laughs> if they listen. Uh, they probably don't listen to this. I, I I don't listen to them, so it's fine. Um, but I mean, when you look at it, it, it is what it is with them. You know, you you take the ball out of Sanders' hands; they tend to do better. Whether it's him running the ball, even I mean, they just tend to be able to do a better job. They're not a good defense, and that's what the issue becomes is when you're not a good defense and then your quarterback's not throwing a bunch of touchdowns, um, it, it makes it really difficult. So you have to run the ball, control the clock. Um, I know you guys they, don't like that, but that's, <laughs> but, that's the reality and they of the did. situation. They ran, a, they ran it a ton. If you just Even if you take out 101 carries that were credited to Sanders, which includes the sacks, they still have over well over 300 carries between their, their running backs. and. You take Hubbard out of the equation, and you still got 182 carries out of their top two returning backs, Desmond Jackson and L.D. Brown. So, and, and those guys both, I mean, Hubbard, they both averaged more yards per carry than Hubbard did last year. He, did, he had a down year in his final season when everybody thought he was going to be a star after that 2,000-yard season a couple of years ago. I think that uh, Mike Gundy knows they have to – lean on these backs, and I think that's going to be the game plan. They're going to run heavy this year. Uh, Athlon says that's going to take them to an 8-4 and four record, but I'm not so sure because this is a, a conference where you have to shoot at, you have to win these shootout games, and is their defense going to be good enough to hold the opposition so that they are able to continue to stay with that run game? Next, we have West Virginia and a guy that uh, is apparently their head coach, uh, Neil Brown. I feel like that's a name that you just use like as a generic coach's name. That's like the movie. coach on like an old uh, Nintendo NES game where the, all the where they don't have the licensing, and so they just make up the names for all the players. The yeah. Coaches. yeah. So West Virginia uh, defensive school. I mean, not really, but they were a better defensive team than they were offensive team last year. They've got a they've got a, a veteran quarterback, Jarrett. Is it Dagey? I think that's how you say Do, it. Yeah, D- Dogey. D- Dogey. Dogey. Whoa, Dogey. No, I don't know what it is. It's probably Dagey. I think it's Dagey, yeah. But I'm going to go with Dogey. Cause yeah, like, do, like the Dogey coin? Yeah. Um, but like I said, jokingly, but not really, that, you know, they. They allowed 291 yards and 21 points per game last year. Crazy. Yeah, that's pretty good D, uh, D in the Big 12. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Best defense in the Big 12. 
they have a, a talented interior lineman who his older brother left for the NFL, but he, right. the, the younger brother's back. That would you be know, Dante, Dante Stills. Stills. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so you look at it, this is a team that's going to have to find their identity on offense, which is not what we're used to talking about, right? Well, you, you know, they used to be a pass-heavy team, and then Holgerson was there, and, and he brought his offense in. And now that kind that element's gone. And I think kind of like Oklahoma State, but not maybe not as heavily because of, of Daigie, he'll be uh, able to I – th- I think he's probably a better passer than Sanders, at least the college level. But they've got a big-time running back, Letty Brown, and that's that's going to be the, the player that I think is going to be key for them. He had uh, 199 carries for 1,010 yards in a 10-game season last year. Those numbers are really good. Um, only 5.1 yards a carry, but he, he was kind of a focal point for them on offense, and he also caught 31 passes. He scored 11 touchdowns. So Letty Brown, big part of what they're going to do. He's, he's a senior, and – he will probably be a player that we'll be talking about when it gets to all-star season. He's going to get in one of those all-star games, I think. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's he's going to be a day one or day two prospect, but he's certainly playing his way into NFL consideration. Kansas State misses Bill Snyder desperately. Charlie Kleinman's been okay there. Um, 12 and 11 at, at Kansas State, obviously, Chris, last year. Chris Kleiman, right? Chris Kleiman, sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, we can call him Charlie. Yeah, whatever his name is. Uh, Skyler Thompson should be the quarterback, right? Uh, he is. He was he's injured a last senior. year. Yeah, he's yeah. a super senior. And uh, their top offensive player <laughs> is um, about the size of my uh, my eighth grader, 5'5". Five, five, <laughs> 171 pound Deuce Vaughn. Um, we'll talk more about him next year, but he's a sophomore. You know, and and I think that in and of itself kind of tells you where they're at right now at Kansas State. Um, but Vaughn is a is a baller though. He had over a thousand yards total offense from scrimmage. Uh, 25 catches, 434 yards. That's over 17 yards a catch, and he scored nine touchdowns in. A four and six season, so great numbers for a freshman, uh, regardless of size. And of course, Kansas State famously produced Darren Sproles. So as, yeah, they just uh, gotta they just gotta as, get these guys more often. Yeah, as we talk about, and in the draft season, size is not a skill. You know, you and I like to we like big, fast guys, but there are a lot of scouts out there. Uh, again, Emory and. Uh, the guys that scout for his site, football game plan, that will fall in love with some of these smaller guys, and then and they are able to identify a lot of times the successful ones. So Deuce Vaughn is going to be somebody we talk about, I think, in uh, within the next year when he becomes eligible next year. So Kansas, Kansas State States. actually is interesting to me, even though they're four and six last year, which is pathetic, but because they bring back Thompson and because he was hurt. And because they beat Oklahoma, they actually started out four and one, and then and they then, lose their veteran quarterback, and and the whole season goes in the tank. But where were they headed before Thompson get gets hurt? And I think he's a player who can probably 
stick around as an NFL backup or you know third third quarterback type. He's got some skill to him too. Uh, he can he can hurt you with his arm or his feet. So you know he's not he doesn't have the greatest physical tools, but he's a heady player and he's a veteran. They got to get back to Kansas State defense. I mean that's re- really what it boils down to. Last year their defense was was a problem more than it was anything else. Um, and they lose their leading uh, sack master Wyatt Hubert. He has gone on to the NFL, so they've got to figure something else out in terms of pass rush. And I I blame the three three five that they run, but whatever. Uh, that's um, a problem. And you know, yeah, because that that especially when your linemen are small, right? And uh, now you're talking about seven new starters for them on defense as well. I do like the transfer. What's uh, goodness? His name just escaped me, but. Uh, I think he was at USC. Um, he's a cornerback, Brents or something like that. Uh, let me I get back to where he was. Yeah, yeah, Julius Brents. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a player that was identified in uh, when we <clears throat> when we talked about the Bruce Feldman list. I think on our Patreon show a few weeks back, uh, he was one of the players that was identified among the thirty-five breakout candidates. So that's a, a good one to keep an eye on. Baylor's. Eighth, I'm actually shocked that they're not last, if I'm being completely honest. Um, year one of Dave Aranda was a complete Can- disaster. Kansas is just too too tough of competition to rank <laughs> last. <laughs> but uh, the year one of Dave Aranda was a nightmare. Um, Charlie Brewer transferred out. To Utah, I think. This, this blew my mind about Brewer. He is... Charlie Brewer was actually the number two in passing yards in Baylor history. That was quietly that that really came about. Yeah, quietly. you think about it. I mean, Robert Griffin third and Bryce Petty alone, you would assume, would be higher up on those lists. But um, I was pretty shocked by that because that you would think when I, especially going back to those two guys who you mentioned when Baylor was putting together double digit win seasons. You would think the team would have had a bit more success under their number two all-time passing yards guy, but not the case. Uh, they've got a quarterback competition, as we said, because Brewer moved on. Jacob Zeno and Jerry Bohannon. Um, it'll be interesting. Do you think there's any way the freshman drones factors in, or is it going to be between those two guys? You know, it, of course, there's a there's a possibility that he factors in because uh, of those two players. Zeno is the only one that threw a pass last year, and uh, yeah, Bohannon think, was the runner, right? Yeah, I, I and um, I don't think he. I just don't think he played very much last year. He's a junior. He's the guy that, that's been there longer. But uh, it was all Brewer except for. A handful of other reps so they they're really starting fresh and what's more likely to happen is is one of those two guys that you mentioned wins the job and then maybe the freshman takes over later in the year because they're not projected to they, I, I can't believe Athlon has them projected to go six and six after they went two and seven um, I guess a little vote of confidence for around uh, in uh, year two well, their defense wasn't bad, and I think that's what they're hanging their hat on. And they but, returned eight out of eleven uh, starters from that defense. But their offense was literally one of the worst in college football last year. And while um, 
Jeff Grimes had a hell of a year at BYU. Uh, Zach Wilson ain't walking through that door. Right. <laughs> and, you know, this is funny about Baylor. Their leading rusher last season gained 197 yards. It was Craig Williams with 197 yards. So the good news is Craig Williams is still on the team. The bad news is that is a very low number for your leading rusher. Yeah, and he did that in only four games, but that's still only 50 yards a game. So you're talking maybe 600 yards if he's able right. to stay healthy. And Texas Tech, not fun anymore. Um, I think Cliff Kingsbury and, and Texas Tech need, need to reconcile. But Matt Wells. <laughs> you just You just want to get rid of Cliff. I like Everybody. Cliff, but Matt Wells in his third year, eight and fourteen. Um, they got a they new brought, quarterback, though. Yeah, and they also brought back Sonny Cumbie, as we talked about a little earlier, and then they brought in um, Tyler Show Shuck Shug Shuck Shuck. Yeah, uh, I learned that uh, that is the pronunciation. Doesn't make any sense to me when it's spelled S H O U G H, but Tyler Shuck coming over from Oregon. And he is a graduate, but he's a junior. So he give, he comes yeah. over with two years of eligibility remaining. And maybe they can get back to their past happy ways with him. I feel like they can. And the, the one thing that they've got going for them is, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, because, I mean, let's be honest, it's Texas Tech, but they return... Um, a ton of players on their defense. Uh, they're really taking advantage of the super senior rule. Um, so we'll see how that helps them because they're a junior and senior heavy team. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see if they can find their way on offense again because they've, Still not improved on defense, which is what, you know, Kingsbury was notably fired for, and now they're just bad on offense too. So sometimes, sometimes you know, you better be careful what you wish for. Bringing We're going to be up- talking about a, actually a couple more Texas Tech guys uh, to look out for in, in the NFL draft on our Thursday show. So, again, check check that out give us a a subscription on patreon that's again two bucks a month to get that but we've got i know for a fact we've got two texas tech guys on the list of players we're talking about you finish this all off with the zero and nine kansas jayhawks bringing in one of the 10 best coaches in all of college football according to pro football focus and Lance Leopold. Now, I'll say this. I'm glad that Lance is getting this cash um, for the first time in his career because he's mm-hmm. not made a lot of money uh, coaching D3 um, over the last several years. So I know he had a couple seasons uh, at, at Buffalo where he's he at, Buffalo, at least yeah. Yeah, made some money, but He's getting that Big 12 cash now, so um, cash thanks in on to, it. Thanks to Les Miles running uh, a foul of some what? female, uh, yes, some female staffers. I think unfortunate situation that led to this, and so Leopold gets the job 
he gets hired kind of out of cycle. You know, we see coaching hires happen in late in the winter, um, December, November, December, you know, to get things together. And Leopold kind of gets in late in the game. And it's as bad as Kansas has been. Sometimes in some ways it seems like Buffalo and Kansas is a lateral move, but it's simply a better job to get any coaching gig in the Big 12 over a Mac job. It's just a fact. That's well, he still, goes uh, he goes from making six hundred twenty five thousand a year to two point two million. So, like yeah. I said, so I, I, I mean, to be I fair, appre- he wasn't uh, he wasn't sweating. Uh, he wasn't having to worry about how, if he would be able to pay his air conditioning bill or his gas bill. But yeah, that's a nice jump. That's uh, almost well, especially, four times. Yeah, so. especially after winning you know a ton of games at Wisconsin Whitewater and probably making two point two million over his. Um, and six, six division there. three, yeah, six division three national Champ- titles. Right, and I'm, I'm and sure. If he, anybody knows D three, you've got a, another really high end program there, Mountain Union, and he was having to face up with them every year. It seemed like, and he was coming out on top after Mountain Union had really dominated for a time before that. So I mean, he certainly brings pedigree as as far as like. I mean, even what he did at Buffalo, 37 and 33, that Buffalo team was atrocious. And it was it was not a uh, formidable program. And he turned them into a program that uh, last year performed very well in, in the MAC and had a running back, Jarrett Patterson, who became a star and was drafted. So... This guy is a this guy is a good coach. I mean, we talk, we did talk about him on the Patreon show. We questioned ranking him in the top ten when some other guys that we mentioned were left out. That was last week on Patreon. But uh, I I think this is a really really interesting situation. So Kansas has not been good since Mark Mangino, and when when they brought in Les Miles, it seemed like that might be a guy to turn him around. But Les seemed not to be there for wins maybe more for money and i guess having having his own fun or something like that before we get out of here we got one hot take tonight uh it's an interesting one and and it comes to us um from christian williams at c williams nfl um He's a Devi writer at Fantasy Pros and the Cut Fantasy Football. Uh, seems like a good guy, but it his take was Brandon Ayuk is so much better than Debo Samuel. Um, I have two responses. One, okay, but two, who cares? Like, <laughs> what? You said he's a fantasy writer, right? Yeah. That's so, why. I mean, clearly this is a fantasy-based take. Uh, Ayuk is more valuable, I guess, in in fantasy. Uh, but it did, I mean, he, yeah, he was last year because Samuel's hurt. But if you look at Samuel's rookie year and Ayuk's rookie year, they are very, very similar, and you know both. Similar number of touchdowns, similar number of uh, reps of, of scores on the ground, as well as receiving the ball. So they've got that versatility, you know, that, that jet action, 
backfield type of versatility. But uh, this was a, a funny take to me just because, well, it's just, it's, it's so uh, emblematic of fantasy Twitter. It's just about planting your flag on things like this. And I like when people say things like, uh, he said it's so much better. You said it earlier when you said something and then you followed it with, it's not even close. Or um, so-and-so is comfortably better than so-and-so. It, those are the kind of takes that we get during the summer months, right? Yeah, and it's just I get that fantasy, and you have to you have to rate and and weigh everything. But these are the type of takes that, like you said, it's planting a flag. It has no it has no bearing in in anything other than like, hey, we're ranking fantasy players, and and Brendan Ayuk is better than Debo Samuel. It, but it's, it's like purely designed to go back to later and say, see. I, I was right about this. And the funny thing is, like to me, it aren't those gonna be their top two receivers? Like, yeah, so that that's why I kinda <laughs> said the, jokingly, like, who cares? But like aren't they gonna aren't, aren't both guys gonna be playing? I mean, I know Samuel has you know, Ayuk is younger and uh, Samuel's had the injuries. So I think that's something where Ayuk certainly could have better numbers. Uh, this year, just like he did last year, because of the injury. But it's a, I, I have, I think that both players are well regarded within the San Francisco organization, and they're both going to play a lot. So yeah. that's what what was interesting to me. And if I'm a fantasy player, man, aren't I staying away from everybody on the 49ers because they just spread the ball to everybody, and everybody gets hurt. And you know, last year was a complete disaster. If you picked any fantasy players, if you picked any. 49ers players in fantasy like if you took yeah. Mostert you know he, he gets hurt you take uh Samuel Kittle he gets hurt. hurt Kittle gets hurt and so they're kind of, like one week Richie James had like 10 catches so uh, they're they're just kind of a plug and play team to me and I don't want anything to they're kind of like the Patriots I don't want anything to do with any of their skill players in fantasy That'll be it from us tonight, as Justin said at the beginning of the show. Check out our episode last week, our free episode, um, where we discussed the pending changes to the Shrine game. It's a really great yeah. discussion. I mean, we, and, we were right about the Shrine game, and it wasn't even close. And, yeah, hint, hint, <laughs> uh, we've talked to some people that have maybe told us that we are on the right track. So listen to that. Give us a five-star review. Check out our Patreon. Uh, like I said, two bucks a month gets you the extra show. Four bucks a month gets you our written work as well. Uh, makes you a generational patron, and we'll give. Who doesn't you, want to be generational? Right. Give you some access to some of the cool things that Justin and I are doing. So that'll be it from us tonight. We appreciate you listening as always, and we'll be back next week. Uh, probably time to do the ACC, wouldn't you say? I think that's next on the docket, yep. Yeah, because we're avoiding the Pac-12 at all costs. So that'll be it from us <laughs> We'll tonight. do that like we'll, August 30th or something. Yeah, right, <laughs> right before the season starts. So thanks for listening as always, and have a great night, everybody. What do you guys think for the outro for now? Um, I mean, I don't know yet. We pro- we might be able to record something. We can for now we could do um